This is Audiblegate, an alliance of authors, narrators, and publishers to win justice against Audible. For years, this Amazon subsidiary, the world's largest audiobook retailer, has been ripping off audiobook creators, finding all kinds of inventive ways not to pay us and devastating culture as it goes. But not anymore. We're here to put a stop to Audible's fraud and invite you to join us at audiblegate.com. Don Katz, founder and executive chairman of Audible, said, uh, Our listeners actually bought 1.2 billion hours of programming from us in 2014. And to do this, you become a big company. We have people in 13 global centers. We're growing very fast, even at scale. This global behemoth is still growing and growing. And according to Mr. Katz, You know, I've always thought that companies, even as a writer when I wrote about companies, can have hearts and souls. Well, let's find out a little more about how Audible's recent practices are impacting authors and narrators by introducing one of the new hosts of this Audiblegate podcast. Abdiel Leroy is an author and narrator with a unique perspective on the so-called heart and soul of Audible today. Abdiel, how are you today? What's going on in your life? Brother William, uh, good good morning to you. And good evening to you. So I'm in Southeast England, and you're in Washington State. Northwestern United States, yep. Are you still in drought mode over there? We are. This is the first ever recorded drought in the area that I live. I live in the Spokane, Washington area, which is eastern Washington, close to the border of Idaho. And okay. um, it's first ever drought recorded in this area's history. So we're picking up where Jason and Jacob left off, our illustrious predecessors on this Audible Gate podcast. We're continuing the winning formula of one Brit and one American guy. My name is Abdul Leroy. I am an author who narrates his own books. My name is William Ball. I'm an audiobook narrator as well. And I've recently started getting into voiceover work to see where that can take me. I started in voiceover back when. Uh, my very first uh, voiceover commercial was Colombian Coffee. When you go for the cup, make sure it's 100% Colombian Coffee. It's the World's Cup. That's great. So why did you stop doing voiceover work? Well, I didn't really stop. I sort of kept it going on and off since then. But more recently, I've been recording my own audiobooks. But I want to ask you, because you were interviewed in episode six, and you said you've recorded some 400 audiobooks? Yeah, at this time, I have about... 430-something that are available for sale on Audible at the moment. Okay. And are most of your clients uh, based in the U.S., your, the authors you work for? I would say a majority of them are in the U.S. There are some from other countries. I think I've done some audiobook narration for authors or rights holders in the U.K. as well, but primarily U.S. authors. This is very much an international movement because Audible Gate was founded by 
Susan May, who is in Australia. We're talking to each other from the US and the UK. And Ally, the Alliance of Independent Authors, is allied with us. And the founder is from Ireland. So the founder of Ally is from Ireland? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. The famous Orna Ross. Ah, okay. I love I loved to hear Orna Ross. I love to hear her Irish accent. And you're mostly doing fiction, nonfiction? Nonfiction, primarily. I don't. I haven't done a lot of fiction books. I've done maybe two or three at the most, and the rest of them are nonfiction. A lot of business, self-help, psychology, computer books, and some other ones, occasionally politics, philosophy. So you are a veritable fount of wisdom. I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, I, right. I try to represent the... Uh, the convictions or the positions of the authors in a way that I think represents what they're trying to get across. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So tell me a little bit about you. What kind of books have you been narrating? You mentioned you're you're narrating uh, your own books and talk a little bit about that and maybe some other books if you've narrated others as well. The first audiobook I did was for the Library of Congress. I narrated The Scarlet Letter. And then later, when I was in Beijing and working at China Radio International, I was recording audiobooks there as well. And now it sounds like you're working on some of your own projects. Yeah, so I, I started independently publishing in 2016, 2017. And because I've got a background as voice actor, narrator, it made sense to narrate my own audiobooks. Tell me a little bit about your books. What, what kind of books have you, have you authored? So uh, there's Bible-inspired short fiction and novellas. There's sort of theologically-based self-help. There's memoir poetry collections, and my favorite genre, which is epic poetry. So I've got two epic poems. The main one is Elijah, uh, who is my great Old Testament hero. And you do voice characters and accents. Could you give us a little bit of uh, examples of that? Well, maybe if I do a character, and you can tell me if you recognize it. Okay. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a bottle of Chianti. Ah, uh, that would be um, Hannibal Lecter, it yes. sounds like. Okay, see if, you, see if you recognize this one. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them in the air and on the land. We shall never surrender. Uh, Churchill? That's, Pretty obvious yeah. one, that. You do have quite an assortment of, of character voices. Are you self-taught with accents? How did you get into that? Yeah, largely because when I started doing voiceover, I just recorded stuff off the television and played it back and wrote down the text, practiced the text until it was aligned with what I was hearing on the tape. Great. That's a great strategy. Excellent. So how did you get into Audible Gate. What got you into being interested in it, realizing there was an issue? Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that. 
So the first thing I noticed when I was dealing with ACX, which is the interface through which we put audiobooks to Audible and Amazon, first thing I noticed was the sheer incompetence that the support was very inconsistent. The dashboard, very clunky and hard to use. And it was also very hard to replace audio files. So if you wanted to upload a new version of an audiobook, it was quite a fiddly process. And every time I needed to change a cover or change a description, any kind of metadata, I'd have to go and contact support. I couldn't do it directly through the dashboard. It's a bit better now, but it still has a long way to go. It seems like ACX has been that way ever since I've been using it since 2017. It's a very clunky interface. It's not easy to use, and and sometimes it can be quite buggy. Yeah. And the next thing I noticed was in the summer of 2019 that I got a minus number on my sales for one of my books and therefore a deduction from my revenue. And I was surprised because this particular book doesn't sell much and it hadn't sold for several months. And I thought, how can someone return a book after several months? So I contacted ACX support and they told me that listeners had up to a year to return a book, which was ridiculous. So I decided then and there that I wouldn't be exclusive to Audible. I take my books, my audiobooks wide, even though I'd only get ostensibly a 25% share of the revenue. And could you, could you describe for other listeners, of course, I understand what you're saying, but maybe you could, for the benefit of somebody else listening, Maybe describe what it means to take your work wide. How did you go about doing that? Yeah, so wide means anything outside the Amazon universe, really. With the audiobooks, I uploaded them all to Findaway Voices. And Findaway Voices is is an audiobook aggregator. And it sends these audiobooks to various retailers. I think there are more than 40 And then really wide is when you start selling audiobooks directly. So there's a platform that Findaway Voices runs called Authors Direct, where you can sell directly. And BookFunnel also has a feature uh, where you can do the same thing. And so your experience with Findaway compared to ACX, how how would you compare those two experiences? What I do appreciate about Findaway is it's much easier to swap out covers, swap out descriptions, change the audio files, change the samples. But I'd still complain about the royalty rate. I mean, I think on Findaway it's 45, 50%. But I think because Audible is such a big company and has distorted the audiobook market so much that it means that even outside Audible, the, the rate is suppressed. Uh, I don't see why we shouldn't get at least 70% as we will get on KDP for ebooks, especially as, as audiobooks require so much work to produce. I think the frustration you're describing has been reiterated many times. Authors, narrators take on all the risk and companies like ACX and Findaway provide a platform for 
distributing obviously and so they can they've kind of been able to set the terms and acx's uh, royalty terms are much lower it sounds like at least about half of what findaway is at the moment so there really does seem to be a pressure pushing down the royalty percentages for authors and narrators alike what got you active and was there was there an event or was it a series of events that got you involved with audible gate yes yeah, so after after this noticing that the this return happened and then in fact the returns kept piling in after that there were so many more that happened so many negative sales numbers negative revenue numbers that it became quite dispiriting overall but then adding insult to injury i got a a series of threatening emails from acx saying there had been fraud on my account and so of course i wrote back and said can you be more specific and the answer was always the same it's always a boilerplate answer of of no they couldn't but it's with a certain team within audible this is under investigation and your account may be terminated and that kind of thing it was really bullying behavior and it wasn't just happening to me it was happening to thousands of other authors at the same time and in the approach to the end of 2019 i've got one of my books is called the christmas tree and i had i mean of course as i as i do this i get sort of more adept at producing audiobooks so i had a better version of the audiobook that i wanted to upload in time for christmas and after i uploaded the files and informed them they said no we won't process it because your account is under investigation uh, again no specifics very frustrating because i wanted to get the best possible product i could out there in time for christmas and i, I just couldn't that sounds very frustrating you you were not able to get specifics about what was going on and i i know many authors and narrators have had similar experiences where the email is like a boilerplate response where they say it's either being forwarded to another department yeah. at acx or audible or they can't tell you specifics about it and maybe they'll get back to you at a later date with more information which in my experience rarely ever happens so no they haven't it, uh, yeah i mean as far as i know i have i'm still under investigation for anything they've told me and i and there's no word about oh you're exonerated or no you're condemned it's just no way to run a company the other thing I was advertising my audiobooks on another platform called Chirp, which is run by BookBub. And I noticed that after I put an ad on BookBub, that there'd be an uptick in sales of the same book on Audible. And then those sales would be returned soon after. So, so what people, listeners were obviously doing was seeing a book they liked on chirp and instead of buying it and paying for it they'd go over to audible and get the book and then return it so they could just keep recycling one credit and yeah it's, audible was training their customers to use it use audible as a lending library with the using the same credit like a library card you just go check out a book with your credit and then when you're done with your book you uh get your credit back yeah, so this meant that I was wasting money and time creating ads that were just producing the wrong, exactly the wrong result. 
And up till now, have any of these frustrations, have you viewed or do you have a, a perspective that ACX has tried to remedy any of these frustrations or concerns that you're having as an author and a narrator? Well, I, I give great credit to our Audible Gate movement that we have managed to bring about, well, at least these lip service changes so that the returns window that we have to pay for has been reduced to a week from a year, uh, although I'm still getting returns. And so Audible is on the hook for the returns that happen after the first week. And lo and behold, they've cracked down on now that they're paying for some of these returns, they've cracked down on it and they made it much harder to do. But while that has happened, there has been no disclosure of how many returns were charged against us before. And those returns were hidden because, as you know, we were only seeing net sales. I mean, sometimes we'd see a, an absolute negative number, but they were hiding the number of returns because we were only seeing net sales. They weren't showing gross sales or returns. So not only have they failed to disclose any of that theft that was going on for years, but of course, you know, let alone recompensing us for it. And it doesn't seem like there's any impetus on the part of ACX or Audible to really move forward in trying to recover any of those sales that may have been lost from hidden returns. As far as I know, that's not something that's been brought up in terms of ACX or Audible wanting to do that. It, it seems like it'll require continued pressure to get anything close to that back from them. Yeah, that's why this is going into a legal arena now. I mean, that might be uh, a point to talk about what happened to you, because you had a, a fresh uh, outrage from Audible. Can you talk a bit about that? Oh, of course. Yeah. I had a recent issue this past month where I received an email from ACX customer support saying that 12 titles that I had narrated, these were all old titles. I think the most recent one was from 2020. There were several from 2019. Had been, they had been flagged for fraudulent sales and the sales had been canceled. So I, at that time, I sent a reply email asking for specifics what was the fraudulent activity that occurred and how many sales did I lose? How many sales were canceled? And I got a reply back, some, something very vague that the rights holder had violated something, uh, some standard at ACX. And if I wanted more information, I should reach out to the rights holder. So ACX was unwilling to provide me with any specifics. Yeah. I contacted the rights holder outside of ACX on their personal email, and their reply was that they had no idea what was going on either. Mm -hmm. They were unable to get any straight answers. So did you see uh, an effect on your revenue when all this happened? I lost about 900 books. So how many of those were because of this supposed fraudulent activity mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. for whatever other reason? I'm unable to determine that because I can't tell how many sales ACX decided to remove. They won't provide me with that information. So I have no way of knowing that. I just know my sales were down from May to June. I had an, about 900 books less that showed up on my sales report. And um, 
It's it's quite a hit. It's a noticeable yeah. reduction. So the books that have been flagged, have they been removed from the sales pages on Amazon and Audible? That was uh, one of the odd things is I've had a couple of books before that were removed, and those were just uh, single titles. I got an email saying this book was flagged for fraudulent sales activity and has been removed from Audible. With these 12 books that were flagged for fraudulent sales, they all are still on sale. They weren't removed from Audible. I guess I'm glad that they're still available for sale. But not if they're taking away your revenue for them. Yeah, that, that's so, correct. I don't, know, I don't know what's happening with the revenue, how much was taken away. So we don't have a clue what their, what their beef is and why they're stripping income from you. I have no specifics about it. And, yeah. and it's, it's unnerving in the sense that's part of the, I guess, the reality of being a, an independent narrator is that it's an uncertain profession, I guess. Mm. I know that. But it also is another layer of it is just the uncertainty created by ACX. Mm. I don't know when uh, ACX is going to decide that something is fraudulent. Because when I ask, and I've asked repeatedly, not only with this issue, but a other issues in the past, I never get a straight answer. You, you mm. mentioned that your account was put under investigation as far as yeah. you know, it, it still is. I've had that happen. I've had my account be under investigation since 2017, uh, two or three times. Mm, and I've wow. never gotten a straight answer as to why it was under investigation or that the investigation was resolved. I've right. um, had paychecks be delayed. I'm, I've Lately, I've been getting paychecks at the end of the month, but I don't know if my account is still under investigation or not. I think this speaks to the wider problem of dealing with uh, monopoly. And Audible is both a monopoly in that it has the vast majority of market share as a seller, but it also has a monopsony in that it is the sole buyer or has you know very large market share as the buyer of audiobook products. And because of this market power, it means so many people's livelihoods are vulnerable to the whims and caprices of this fraudulent organization. At any time, they could decide to change, and, and they have, ACX can and does decide to change some kind of internal market strategy and it's usually that after the fact or after this has happened that authors and narrators will find out about it and yeah. it seems like acx tries uh, for example the returns policy that was instituted at some time in the past acx never as far as i know made anybody aware of this new policy in terms of the authors and the narrators we only found out about it because of a glitch that happened with the reporting of sales. If that hadn't occurred, it would probably have taken a lot longer for individuals to figure out that something was amiss, much less coordinate their activities through AudibleGate. So a lot of times these policies are instituted secretly and they don't benefit, they're not meant to benefit the rights holders or the narrators, clearly. So anyone who, who's listening who doesn't know what the glitch is, it's referring to in October 2020 when a few weeks of returns got 
concentrated into a very short time, maybe maybe a couple of days. And so it woke everybody up. And that's how the Audible Gate movement really got going. Because when I was going through my stuff with ACX and Audible, I was absolutely livid about the the shoddy treatment, the false accusations, the returns, and refusing to replace my audiobook with the new files I'd sent them, and all that stuff was going on. I was so mad, and I thought, doesn't anybody see what a disastrous company this is, how badly they're operating? And I didn't know that at the time, Susan May was in Australia and actually putting a campaign together to deal with Audible. And then what really got the momentum going was what, as you said, the glitch, where the independent author community and the narrators became much more aware of the level of shenanigans that was going on with this company. I mean, I can get quite far in brimstone about what's going to be left, if anything, of Audible after we're done with them. And then I do get sometimes get that reaction of, but oh, you know, Amazon has given me my livelihood. Uh, I depend on Amazon and, and so on. But the thing is, yes, Amazon has given some people the means to build a livelihood, but it has destroyed the livelihoods of many others. Uh, if you take something like the flex drivers, uh, how Amazon was stealing their tips or um, the union busting they've been doing, all the measures they took to thwart and frustrate the attempts to, to get a union going in Alabama, they play really dirty. And it's like um, the guys on the streets who are shuffling a ball under three cones. It's, it's that kind of, it's a con trick they've been playing for all these years. Try to keep people distracted while you continue to steal money from them. Thank you so much, Abdil, for agreeing to have this discussion with me today and also participating in putting together these podcasts with me. I'm looking forward to interviewing other people together with you and finding out more about their experiences and sharing those with listeners. I'm really honored to be part of this and contributing in some way to the Audible Gate movement and looking forward to the interviews that you and I will be doing together with various guests over the coming weeks and months. Okay, you have okay. a great evening and we'll talk Thank soon. You. All right, see you next time. Thanks to Tantrika Sound for providing the audio quotes used in the podcast and also to Orquesta Tipica Fernandez Fierro for the music. This is Audible Gate.